morning. So, Ron just finished up a sermon series uh, called The Three Sixteens. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, next week, he's going to be starting one on the um, I Am's, you know, God and Jesus, when they say I am. And ask who, who you say that I am, tell them I am. It's going to be a great series as well. I only say that because I just want you guys to know how, how, how the associate gets treated around here, okay? So he preaches on the 316s and, and gives you this message on John 316. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And everybody's like, ah, oh, isn't that great? And then he leaves town and leaves me to talk to you about money. So. Yeah. Hey, Kendall, why don't you uh, just kind of... No. So, and, and we're not going to do it long, but uh, um, between... Dan, Dan gave me some figures, and he left town, and Ron gave me the topic, and he left town. And so I'm surprised that you guys, when you came in, they didn't give you, like, darts to throw at me and stuff, you know, while, while we're moving along. But we just... We quickly want to give you a brief update on the Thrive campaign, our capital campaign for the building project. And so I'm going to run through some of that real quickly, and then we're going to go on with a, a message that it's not all about money, okay? So just stay with me for just a couple of minutes here. Um, but the Thrive campaign, if you know, we have so many new people, you know, each and every Sunday. So for your benefit, when we say Thrive, that was the, um, the capital campaign project for our new building wing. And um, we started talking about uh, Thrive in a serious mode. We've talked about it for a long time, but around 2020, the leadership really began uh, talking about, well, can we do this? And we wanted to bring it to you as the congregation. And that was just coming out of COVID. You know, 2020 was the COVID year. And it's like, are you guys crazy to be talking about that at this point in time? But you guys were all so receptive and, and uh, willing to move forward with it. And then we... Um, gave a, a presentation at the annual congregational meeting, which we have in February. I believe that was in 2021. And then that October, we launched the campaign and started receiving pledges and gifts in November of that year. And the pledge, the, the campaign was for a three-year process. And so we're wrapping up year two and uh, getting ready to, to have year three. So I want to talk to you a little bit then about what the cost of the project was and then how we have been doing on the pledge drive. So first of all, the cost of the project, the construction project itself is a $2.7 million project. And uh, there, of course, there are fees, you know, that, that cover things like the architect's drawings, uh, the surveying, ground testing, uh, consultation with the architect, different things like that it was around 99000 and then some fees in the loan process of another 19000 for a total of around uh, $2.8 million for the total project. So how has the campaign gone, the pledges and gifts? Remember, this was a three-year deal, and we're finishing year two right now. So in those three-year commitments, we had pledges that totaled $463,950. I just think this is neat. As of June... So a couple months ago, as of June, those people who had pledged that money had already given $422,223. Yeah, wow. And that's huge, yeah. Because 
I, I know on a lot of campaigns, what happens is people, you know, the thing about it is, it's like, oh yeah, a lot of people pledged money up front, but then they didn't follow through with their pledge, right? Well, this is just, it's amazing, it's awesome, because the amount left in pledges is only $41,727. Now, we've also had some other gifts and money given outside of people who have pledged of $137,709. And so through June, the total given, $559,932. I just think that's phenomenal that it's coming in like that and, and moving along the way it is. So now, if, if you get the opportunity, and we're going to give you that opportunity, we're going to kind of have an open house on September 24th, right after the service. We're going to have that wing open so you can go down and see it. But the, the building itself is phenomenal. But because of your faithfulness and because of your obedience to what has taken place, not only do we have that new wing, but God has done so many things in the life of our school and the life of this church as well. Uh, when you look at Ron's newsletter and you see all the new members and baptisms and things that have been taking place just during this year, that number is getting up to around 50 or so just for this year. But I wanted to talk to you real quickly about what has happened at Columbus Christian School during this time. So remember, when we came out of COVID, you know, people just weren't doing a whole lot, right? And our enrollment at that point in time was 168. So we came to you asking for your support of building this new wing when by those numbers, you could have easily said, we well, don't have the numbers to support a new wing. The, the building that we have is plenty big enough. But again, that faith and obedience. And when you said yes, and we went into the campaign in 2021, our enrollment jumped to 244. Last fall of 2022, it was 356. And that was 311 here on site and 45 at the new um, satellite school that we started in North Vernon. And then this fall, just recently, four or five weeks ago, our enrollment when we started was 424 uh, with 323 here and 101 at North Vernon. And last year, during the school year last year, 44 students gave their lives to Christ. It's amazing. So I say all that so that you know that it's been phenomenal. I say all of that so you know that there's still work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. Uh, many of you maybe haven't even heard about the Thrive Campaign or you're new over the last couple of years. If you'd like more information and you want to help and contribute, uh, we have um, pledge forms out back today or you can get them from us in the office at any point in time. Uh, but do mark your calendar for the 24th, a couple of weeks from now, and after church, uh, stick around for 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, and, and we're going to have that new wing opened and, and uh, want you to go down and take a look at it as well. Amen? All right. It's awesome. So what's that got to do with what we're going to talk about here real quickly? Right? Well, no, that was the quick part. Now we're going to dive into God's Word. And being the, the superintendent and being a person who my life has always been around the education and coaching and all that type of thing, I see time and time again where it, it gets time for the assessment, it gets time for the test, right? And you see students all the time that as it gets time for that test, boy, you can just see their mind going. And in their mind, their prayer is, Lord, please bless this test. Please bless the test. I know I shouldn't say this, but being transparent, when I was in college, you know, you, you, you'd study, you didn't have as many opportunities to score. And when the exam came along, it was a pretty big deal. Well, 
my attitude wasn't always the best. And sometimes, you know, I would wait till the last minute would be one of those that would stay up all night trying to cram for the test, right? Because, I mean, my philosophy was like, if it's only going to take two or three hours to study, why not wait till the last two or three hours? You know, Jesus might come before I have to take this test. So, you know, that's not good. I know students out there don't, don't use that philosophy. But we do have the, the mentality sometimes of getting in a bind or getting at the last second and saying, Lord, bless this test. And I want to talk to you about your faith this morning and about how you might have that same kind of feeling uh, when it comes to your faith. I want to challenge you this morning to determine your level of faith. How are you going to respond when your faith is tested? What's the most important thing to you in this world right now? Are you willing to give that up? If God asks for it. I've heard it said that Christians are a lot like tea bags. They do their best when they're in hot water. A lot of times that's how we feel, I know. We're going to look at three people this morning who found themselves in hot water as God tested their faith. And all along this morning, I want you to be thinking about your own faith. Now, over the years, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like my faith is strong, but I always feel like it, I wish it would be a little stronger. You know, I, I wish I, I could really just be so full of faith that I didn't have any cares or worries in the world, right? And I thought sometimes, you know, when you see, when you see things on Facebook or, or online or on TV and, and, and you see like these Christians who are being persecuted and, you know, they, they've, got, they've got the sack over their their head and they're bound and down on their knees and they're about ready to have their uh, their heads cut off and I'm sure that conversation is something like just denounce your God denounce your God right now and we'll let you live I mean what would you do what would you do because I think it's easy for us in that moment of our lives to say you know what I'll just say what I need to do to get out of this moment right I can apologize later. I can pray and ask for forgiveness later. So what would you do? And I can honestly say that in my life right now, there is no way in the world that I will denounce my God. They can do what they want. But I'm not going to... I'm to that point. But on another level... Am I to the point where I could be an Abraham and when God says, take your son, your only son whom you love, and go sacrifice him? What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you might be tested in your faith for that thing that is most important in your world or in your life? The Bible teaches three key truths about trials in the life of a believer. First one is this. Trials come to believers because true faith must be tested. Or it wouldn't be faith. Or it wouldn't be faith. Second is this. Trials work for us, not against us. And the third one is trials come to make us a little more patient. Any of you in here struggle with patience sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I believe that God calls each believer to prove his or her faith. 
And the deal is we must determine ahead of time how we're going to respond to that. We must determine how we are going to respond even when we don't understand why we're being tested. And then the other thing that we're going to see this morning is after that time of testing and after that time that we've gone through it and we, we have put in our hearts that we're going to be faithful and we're going to be obedient, the neat thing about it is that's when God steps in and has rewards for us in his timing. So in Genesis 22, if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen. But in Genesis 22, we find Abraham in the hottest water of his life. And he's been tested several times. You know, Abraham was told, just pack up and take off. Leave your country, leave your family. And, and we know that Abraham did that, not knowing where he was going, not knowing why he was supposed to do it. His faith had been tested before, but not like this time. Because this time, God is testing him by asking the unthinkable. Go sacrifice your son, Isaac. I mean, he had to be thinking, are you kidding? You just made all these promises to me a few chapters before. You're going to build a great nation. I'm going to be the father of a great nation, right? You're going to be so, it's got to come through Isaac for this to happen. You want me to sacrifice? That doesn't sound like you, God. Why would you have me do that? So the first thing that we need to be willing to do, as we'll find Abraham was, we need to be willing to lay it down. We need to be willing to give it up and lay it down. Picking up in Genesis chapter 22, Scripture says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Just let that sink in. <laughs> Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then come back to you. Abraham took the, took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they'd reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. 
because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, or the Lord will provide. What I want you to know and get is Abraham was willing to lay it down. And Abraham had determined in his, he had determined in his heart, prior to this happening, he had determined that he was going to be faithful and obey God even though he didn't understand. I heard a story of an old-fashioned church down in the, in the south, and they were having a revival. And one of the ladies up in the balcony had fallen over the balcony, and she was hanging out over the balcony upside down. And, you know, that, so her dress had fallen down up, you know, over her head, and she's hanging there screaming for help. And the pastor cried out, There's a lady hanging upside down from the balcony. If any man looks at her, God's going to strike you blind. About that time, one of the older fellows in the back looked over at his friend and he said, I think I'm going to take one eye and see what happens. <laughs> you have to know and understand before your circumstances hit you how you're going to respond to some situations. You have to know what direction you're going before the battle of temptation comes into your life. You have to sell out. You can't even risk one eye. Can you imagine the conversation that the devil had with Abraham that night? I mean, this wasn't like, I'll give you a chance to let this sink in. It was like God told Abraham on one night, and then he was supposed to do this, this three-day journey the next morning. Bible says early the next morning, Abraham got up, cut the wood, loaded it up. The next morning. So all that night, I can just imagine how the sorry old devil, how Satan himself was just whispering in Abraham's ear things like, Abraham, how can you serve a God that treats you like that? Abraham, why don't you just quit this God thing? Abraham, do you understand? He's just lying to you. Abraham, he's trying to, he's trying to destroy your family. Abraham, you're going to be known as the biggest fool on the earth if you follow through with this. All night long, Satan is whispering in Abraham's ear. How in the world does someone get through that situation? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11. It tells us that he was able to do it because of his faith. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 offers us that insight. It says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Get this. 
Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. So in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Do you get that? Abraham's faith was so strong that he believed if this was what God was asking him to do, God had made him a promise that all of this great nation was going to come through his offspring. That had to be Isaac. So Abraham's faith is so strong that if he needs to follow through what God is asking to do, that God's just simply going to raise him back up and we're still going to go on with life. Wow. What a mighty faith in a mighty God. That's the kind of faith that can overcome the world. You see, you can be overcome by fear or you can be overcome by faith. But you have to decide what it's going to be. And so once we prove our faith... And once we purpose in our hearts that we're going to obey God, even though we don't understand, then it's God's turn to take over. And so the second thing we need to know and understand is this. Once you lay it down, God will break it or change it, and God will bless it. Our next scripture It's going to come from John chapter 6, verses 5 through 13 to support just that. God will break it or change it, and then God will bless it. Reads this. When Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, "Where where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this, I love this, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered, eight months Wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, blessed it and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I kind of like the idea that there were 12 baskets. I kind of see those 12 baskets being one for each of those disciples whose faith really wasn't strong enough yet to know what Jesus was going to be able to do. Just as a reminder, all you got to do is obey. I want you to notice that this boy, if you study it, they'll say that he's probably around 12 years old. But this boy had gotten up in the morning and his mom had fixed him his lunch. He's got his little lunch bag with him. He's going out. He's going to hear Jesus preach. So he had to have knowledge of the scriptures. He had to have knowledge of the great teacher. He's going to hear Jesus. Nobody else has any food. There's no other food around. Can you imagine when they came to him and said, Hey, bud, (laughs) we need your lunch. But you see what he did? He was willing to give it up. 
or say, lay it down. He was willing to give up his lunch, and when he did, Jesus broke it. That's how it multiplied, right? God's math isn't like our math. Every time he broke it, it just multiplied and produced more. Every piece he broke multiplied. And God broke it, and Jesus blessed it, and then it was God's turn to, to provide for the people. Because, see, if we are willing, if we will have the faith to, to live and react in obedience and be willing to lay it down, we have the assurance through Scripture that God will break it, change it, and bless it. And then at that point in time, God will use it. In Exodus 4, verses 1 through 4, reads this. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord didn't appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Huh, lay it down. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I love this story. There's so much in this story that we could unpack. But what I want you to know and get is in this story is Moses was a person just like us. God comes to Moses and he says, Moses, Moses, I've chosen you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to go into Egypt. I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to tell him to let my people go. I've had enough. Tell him to let my people go. And Moses had to be, this conversation with God, I mean, Moses had to be saying, you want me to do what? I mean, do you know I'm a wanted man in Egypt? Do you know I killed an Egyptian? And I've been running and hiding so that they can't find me? You want me to walk up to Pharaoh? The one with the power? You got to be mistaken, God. You you must have the wrong person. Now, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. But God, I'm, I'm not even a good speaker. I mean, I've got a speech impediment. Now, my brother Aaron, he can talk. Maybe it's Aaron you were thinking of to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. But what if they don't believe me? What is that in your hand? It's a staff. Throw it down. Now, God, come on. This is my staff. This is what I use to do my work. I need the staff to get. Matter of fact, this is my favorite staff. I've got other. I'll tell you what. I'll go back home and grab you another staff. Throw it down. But God... Throw it down. And Moses throws it down. And it turns into a what? Snake. I don't know about you, but I'm out of there. (laughs) I'm gone. 
And, and the Bible tells us that he fled. So now here he goes. And God's like, Moses. Yeah, God, come on back. Pick it up. <laughs> God, I had a staff. You wanted my staff. I gave, I'll go back and just get another one. Pick it up. But pick it up. And he reaches down and begins, starts to try to pick it up. And once he does, he says, pick it up by the tail. God, everybody knows you don't pick a snake up by the tail, right? I mean, it's going to bite you. Pick it up by the tail. And he reaches down and he picks it up by the tail. And it turns into a what? back into a staff. But here's the deal. It's no longer just a staff. It was God's staff. Because Moses laid it down. God changed it so that he could pick it back up and God could use it. And scripture tells us that every time Moses used that staff from then on, it performed a miracle. So what is that in your hand? A staff? Or God's staff? I don't know what it is in your life that you might need today to be surrendering to God. I don't know what it is that you need to lay down. It might be a relationship. It might be a job. It might be a bad habit. It might be your finances. I don't know what it is in your world, in your life, that you need to lay down. And maybe in your life it is that most important thing to you. And maybe God's going to ask you to lay it down because you don't need it in your life and you need to get rid of it. But maybe God's going to ask you to lay it down so that he can change it. And he can bless it. And he can use it to mend that relationship. To break that bad habit. To show you how he can multiply your finances. Lay it down and let God use it. Our final scripture this morning comes from Malachi 3 verses 8 through 10. And it says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask how, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Oh, Lord, please bless this test. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room 
for it. Have you trusted Christ to be your answer in life? Have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? Have you trusted Christ to be your sin substitute? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Get ready to play a song here in a minute. Are you trusting in his finished work on the cross? Are you trusting in him enough that you know without the shadow of a doubt what your response is going to be when he tests your faith? When you're tempted by Satan? When you don't understand? But you know you can lay it down at the foot of the cross and at the feet of Jesus. If your answer is no then my prayer for you today is that you'll start trusting him now because you have no assurance of tomorrow. Unfortunately, we've had people experience that this week. If your answer is yes, you've not only trusted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, but you've also made a commitment to surrender your life to him. And this would be my guess. That for most of us in here, even though we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and even though we know that we are to surrender our lives to Him, that there have been parts of our lives where we wanted to continue to take hold and bring back. There's been parts of our lives that we've said, I think I can solve this. Let me do it. Parts of our lives that we want to keep control over that we just really don't want to totally surrender to him. That might be your thing to lay down today. As believers in Christ, I think there are four questions that we need to answer based on the experiences of our scriptures this morning. They are this. What is that most important thing that you have in the world? And it might be your life. Have I laid it down? At the feet of Jesus. If I haven't, why have I delayed? And then the last one is Am I willing to lay down my Isaac today? Andrew Murray was quoted as saying this. I love this. He said, God is ready to assume full responsibility for a life that is wholly yielded to him. He wants it. He wants control. And so we have a choice. We can carry the weight of the world on our shoulders or we can say today, I give it up. I give it to you, Lord. Here's my life. I give you my world. Let's pray.